I'd like to say uh, just a few words about um, Dharma talks and and how to listen to a Dharma talk. It's um, it's it's a little bit different than listening to a you know, lecture in university or you know a public lecture by somebody. So if you haven't been on retreat, and there are a number of people who haven't uh, been on retreat before. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's an important practice to get some instruction in. Because when we listen to a Dharma talk, it's, um, it's, a, it's a somewhat different kind of listening. It's, it's a kind of a whole body listening. Um, we're not so much listening critically. I don't want to say we're, you know that everything that I say you should just, you know, take uh, but it's not critical in the in the way that you might listen critically to um, you know a politician speaking on the radio or something and you know and evaluating in your mind do I believe that and it's 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 more uh, kind of what resonates with me um, what touches me uh, what do I find? meaningful uh, or significant? What do I find useful for me? Um, and there might be something that we don't quite get when we hear a Dharma talk. You know, it's, it's kind of, oh, that's interesting, but I don't really have anything to connect it to. So, you know, it can just kind of uh, be there. Maybe, maybe the the uh, experiences and ideas that connect to it are not developed at this point. So, so it can it can just be there as oh that's like a little seed. And sometimes I've heard Dharma talks and I didn't quite uh, understand it, and then and later I did. You know, maybe a long time later. So um, so that's okay. And, uh, and, and, and it's not also, we don't need to remember everything. Um, you know, there's no, there's no quiz at the end of the retreat. Uh, so um, just, yeah, what resonates with you, what touches you, what you connect with, what's meaningful <coughs> to you. Um, and take that in and, and uh, it's, um, it's a little bit like, um, uh, when when we're reading and we're reading you know a book or something and uh, which is a spiritual text and uh, it, we might read in the, in the same way as that just you know really it's it's not we don't need to get get everything or retain everything but you know maybe maybe the next time we read it we'll get something different you know and what was meaningful to us this time. Um, doesn't seem so significant. So, um, yeah, just some thoughts on that. Um, I'd like to reflect a little bit with you about the discourse, um, the Kaya Gata Sati Sutta. Kaya, uh, is body in Pali, and gata 
Uh, I'm not sure exactly how to translate that, but the English translation and, and sati, as we know, is, is uh, mindfulness. And sutta means discourse. Uh, teaching given by the Buddha, always given in a particular time to particular people. And, um, and this, this discourse has been translated as, as mindfulness immersed in the body. That's really interesting. I find that word immersed in the body. Um, and um, and this, this discourse was, was spoken um, when the Buddha was staying near uh, Savati uh, in Jetta's Grove, Anatha Pindaka's monastery. So um, always it begins with, you know, locating the, uh, where the discourse was given. And there was a large number of bhikkhus, or you know, monks, who were uh, following the Buddha. And um, it became monks and nuns, bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, uh, at some point, um, because uh, the Buddha began uh, accepting women for ordination as well. Um, but not right in the beginning. So I don't know when this happened. So maybe there were, let's imagine that there were uh, both men and women. And, um, and they're, they're, they're kind of, they've, they've gone on their alms round, so that means they've gone and uh, collected food from the community, they've had their lunch, and then they're sitting around and talking after lunch. And, and they're, they're saying to each other, isn't it amazing isn't it astounding the extent to which mindfulness immersed in the body when developed and pursued is said by the blessed one who knows who sees and then a few more uh, kind of respectful reverential words the worthy one rightly self-awakened so this practice of mindfulness immersed in the body is said by the Buddha to be of great fruit and great benefit. And so they were talking about this. You know, isn't it amazing that mindfulness immersed in the body is said to be so beneficial and so important and it seemed surprising to them. And, um, and the Buddha came, you know, after he had his lunch and, and he was, he came back into the gathering room and he saw them sitting there and he, it was obvious that uh, they were having a, a conversation and and he said uh, and he said um, what is this discussion that you're having that's come to no conclusion you know so he, he, he saw that well they hadn't really kind of got it what was so important about mindfulness immersed in the body. And, and, and so he began to explain, why is, this, why is this important? Why is this significant? Why is this such a key practice? And, um, and so he begins to explain um, mindfulness immersed in the body, how to do it. 
And, um, and we're going to, over the course of our time together, we're going to explore some of these practices um, as we have in the past. Uh, so he said, um, you know, I, I said there's, he always begins discourses on mindfulness with a particular phrase and so here's the phrase there's the case where a monk having gone to the wilderness to the shade of a tree or to an empty building in other words a quiet secluded place sits down folding his legs crosswise or however you sit holding his body erect and establishing mindfulness to the fore. So, remember I said that. Talked about that in the instructions. Always mindful he breathes in, mindful he breathes out. And then he talks, he talks about how this mindfulness of breathing, which is one of the mindfulness practices of the body, develops. And he said, you know, we begin to recognize, you know, as I was kind of guiding in the instructions this morning. What's the quality of breath? Is it long? Is it short? So he says, one knows. One knows what is the quality of breath. If it's long, if it's short, if it's... Um, and, then he's, and, then, and then he goes on, I will breathe in, sensitive to the whole body. I will breathe out, sensitive to the entire body. So, again, that's, that's what we're doing, really, really tuning in, getting a sense of the whole body. And, and then he says, I'll breathe in calming the, bo- the body formation. It's, uh, like, it just means, basically, the body. I will breathe in calming the body Formation or the body, and here it's it's um, translated the bodily fabrication. So, so we can think of this in a couple of ways. We can think of that I'm calming, like the physical body. So, relaxing the muscles, relaxing the, you know the different, like the heart, organ, relaxing, you know, the the tendons and ligaments in the jaw and so on, because we hold a lot of tension in the body. But when when we think of the bodily formation or the bodily fabrication, we can also think of it in a sense as... And there's a term that, that uh, the Buddha uses only very rarely in the discourses. Um, is a term, the mind-made body. The mind-made body. Which is a really interesting term because it's, it's something about, and, and teachers discuss, well, what does he mean by this? It's something about how we relate to the body with our minds. And, and some teachers say, well, it's, it's something about the quality of energy in the body, the quality of, 
of how we experience the body, how we feel the body. So it's getting into a real, you know, an inner experience of the body. So we're talking about the body as a um, the sum of a number of different parts, and and the and the Buddha goes on to later to a comp- uh, con- contemplation about this, that you know the body is composed of bones and muscles and and blood and and uh, ligaments and organs and so on. And so we're talking about that body, which is you know a physical entity, and we're also talking about something a bit more subtle. So, so calming the inner body, calming the inner uh, sense of the body. And, um, and then he goes on to say, uh, and as he remains thus, heedful, ardent, and resolute, any memories and resolves related to the household life are abandoned. So he's talking to monks, right? Uh, so our memories and resolves, so all of our, you know, but I, I, I think if we, if we, you know, just stop listening and say, oh, he's talking to monks, you know, I can't do that. You know, I, I'm a householder. I can't just drop and abandon uh, all my um, my responsibilities and my uh, activities related to the household life, uh, my family, my work, you know, and so on, and the world. You know, how do I relate to the world? You know, the the so, the social um, issues that are, I'm concerned about, the environmental, ecological concerns, and so on. So. So does that mean, you know, I just, well, cut myself off and I don't, I don't think about that, you know, well then I might as well give up, right? So, uh, but I think that what the Buddha is pointing to is something that all of us can touch into and be nourished by and, and develop from which is this putting aside, this, this developing this capacity to be fully here in what is our present experience. And maybe you've touched into that already on retreat, or maybe you have on other retreats or in other experiences, just having even for a moment or a few minutes uh, or longer, just being fully present, having the body and mind just really uh, connected, engaged, and not um, feeling like we're carrying all of our preoccupations and and responsibilities, and um, and maybe our also our anxieties and and preoccupations about ourselves and about 
how we're seen and how we're perceived and if we belong and you know all of these things that that keep us from being fully present in our lives so so um And so just letting these fall away, I mean, abandoned sounds pretty final, but maybe we could say, you know, just letting them go, letting them go for now. And, and he said, and with their abandoning, one's mind gathers and settles inwardly and grows unified and concentrated. <coughs> And this is how one develops mindfulness immersed in the body. So, so he's saying, he's talking about just this one practice, first of all, this practice of mindfulness, of breathing, and, and connecting with the whole body through the breath. And, 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 and through doing this, our mind becomes unified so so not scattered not divided a unified mind when when we have a unified mind we're not kind of dividing ourselves and looking at ourselves and judging ourselves as as we're uh, you know engaging in relationships or doing some things, we're not um, we're not scattered and you know thinking of a dozen different things that you know we we want to do in the future or we or that happened in the past. So a unified mind is a mind that is uh, collected, and 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 uh, and the word concentrated the mind gathers and settles inwardly so that that's in the body and grows unified and concentrated and and really uh, a better translation um, uh, I think and uh, I've I've um, practiced with a scholar who uh, um, his name is Biku Analayo, and uh, and he um, he prefers the word collected, so the to concentrated. So it's not like the mind is kind of like a laser beam when we use the word concentrated. Again, it's this translation problem, right? When we use the word concentrated, we think you know like the mind like a laser, and everything else is excluded. You know, except this one thing, like concentrating on the breath and. And you can get this concentration on, on one point in the nostrils or on the upper lip where you feel the breath and, and everything else is excluded and people have the mistaken idea that that's the point of meditation. But he, he uses gestures to differentiate between that kind of laser concentration and a collectedness in which we are not... Uh, we're not excluding our experience, but there's a, a presence with a capacity to be attentive to our experience in an inclusive, 
and coherent uh, way as it's unfolding. Um, wholeheartedly. I love the word wholeheartedly. So, um, and then, and then he, he talks about other, other practices, um, which I've alluded to, but haven't uh, gone into in great detail. Um, so, and this is, these are all mindfulness immersed in the body trainings. So, um, when walking, one discerns I'm walking. When standing, one discerns I'm standing. When sitting, when lying down, one discerns. However one's body is disposed, that is how one discerns it. And so we're bringing this kind of attention to the simplicity of just knowing how the body feels. And and of course, yoga is such a wonderful practice for um, that that kind of training, the mind. You know, doing mindful yoga, so not not spacing out, as David was saying, but but really being present in in a very subtle way, in a very attentive way, to to the flow of sensation, to where there's intensity, to where there's ease. And, and how it's changing. What is, the, what is the flow of sensation? And, and can one open into, uh, you know, allowing the sensation to, to just uh, to relax into it, to be, to be fully present with it, without, of course, pushing. And, um, and then goes on, when going forward and returning, one is fully alert, when looking toward and looking away. So, so, if, so when, when you don't look at me and you decide to look out the window, which is fine, you know, problem with that, but you're aware, you know, okay, now, I'm looking out the window. Now I'm gazing out the, out the window. Uh, when, when bending and extending our arms, our feet, you know, shifting your posture. Uh, so there's an awareness of doing that. We don't, we don't have to use words to be aware. We don't have to say, now I'm reaching for my water bottle or now I'm you know, pulling my sweater around my shoulders, but but there is a a presence with all of these different activities. So that's that's a pretty um, that's a pretty fine refined continuity of attention that um, that we're we're cultivating in in this practice. And uh, when, ca- when carrying one's outer cloak, one's upper robe, one's bowl, eating, drinking, chewing, savoring, when you're urinating and defecating, so even in the bathroom, to be present to our experience, 
So walking, standing, sitting, falling asleep, waking up, talking, talking, remaining silent. Ah, remaining silent. I mean, we do that here, and it's supported, but sometimes we could be mindful of remaining silent when everybody's talking, and, and we could feel, well, maybe I don't need to talk. Maybe I could just remain silent. You know, maybe I can just, I don't need to put in my two cents every time um, to, be, to be heard. So, uh, and one remains heedful, ardent, and resolute. And, and so that also, just that continual presence, attentiveness, mindfulness uh, in the body, with the body, cultivates that unification of the mind and the collectedness of attention. <clears throat> As mind, one's mind gathers and settles inwardly, grows unified and collected. I'm substituting the word collected for concentrated. And this is how one develops mindfulness immersed in the body. So, these are not difficult things to do. No one of these practices is difficult or beyond any of us to do. Uh, it's, It's a matter of cultivating the continuity of attention to do them. And, and when we do that, um, and the Buddha is, talks at length about the benefits, I'm not going to go into all of them because they're, they're, uh, they become kind of esoteric. But um, yeah, I'll just mention that there are other contemplations. And for those of you who attended this retreat, uh, in previous years, I've, I've, um, if you remember, uh, <laughs> I, I've uh, talked about the the different contemplations on the body, which is to contemplate the body in its parts, uh, and also to contemplate the body in its elements, and to con- also to contemplate the death of the body. So those are three important contemplations, and. Um, and so in its parts is to recognize that well, the body is, is made up of skin and blood and hair and, and mucus and, and bones and, and, you know, muscle and the contents of our digestive tract. And when we kind of look at it that way, you know, we might begin to think of the body differently, relate to the body differently. It's because we have this we have this envelope of skin, right? We're all kind of enveloped in this layer of skin and we think that we're a package and we're separate and uh, and very independent and um, and that you know we're this thing and 
and then you know outside of us are other things and so we relate to ourselves as an object and we relate to other people as other objects and um, and so that is uh, that is you know a, a delusion because uh, the body is it's it's in flux it's uh, it's it exists interdependently you know, where we're continually drinking water and eating food and breathing and and the body is rebuilding itself and what's more um, our our relationship to the body how we relate to the body um, is really an important part of how we are how this body kind of manifests in our experience. I'm going to develop that a bit more in the retreat. That's, that's kind of an idea that is, and it's, it's, it's a very key concept in, in Buddhism called dependent arising. That, um, that how, we, how we see, how we experience, how we relate to everything through how we perceive uh, determines in a way how what the body is for us. So it's um, yeah. So I'll get back to that in a minute, uh, just to talk about it a little bit more. Um, and uh, but just to name the other contemplations, um, one is the four elements. So that the body is composed of earth, water, fire, and air. And so uh, the Buddha says, you know, contemplate that, How, and we can contemplate how, you know, there's the earth element in the body and the earth element outside the body. Uh, there's the water element in the body and the water element outside the body. Um, I, I love to do that. Uh, contemplation here in this center because there's the water right there and, and we can just get a sense of that water is outside the body in this moment but it's cycling through us you know, it's, uh, and so you know is that water not me is that water me when does it become me does it become me when I drink it is it not me when I urinated out uh, so so really uh, contemplating that these elements and, and then fire of course the energy of the sun and, uh, and air you know the breathing and, and I'll be leading that contemplation later and then uh, the death of the body so another, the, then the, the third the other contemplation is is the death and the disintegration of the body so so the body is a set of conditions that comes together at birth, changes through our lifetime, and and then comes apart at death. And uh, and the Buddha said that uh, death is one of the most important contemplations in the body, the body, because um, you know we really do think this is mind. <laughs> And I'm in control of it. And of course, if I if that were true, 
then we wouldn't be aging, we wouldn't get sick, and we wouldn't die. So, so um, yeah. So I, I just want to, uh, to maybe explore um, this question about how the body arises in our awareness, how one's body, this body that I think of as me or mine, which is, the Buddha points out, this is a delusion, but I, in some way, connect with the body, and it's, and it's, and and life is experienced through this body. So, so how do we, how do you, how do I, how do you relate to your body? How do you think about your body? And, and I, I find this, it's, it's, I've been working with a particular teacher and uh, she, she expressed something that, I mean, it wasn't a new idea for me, but it really hooked me, really got me curious and, and interested, hooked in a positive way. Um, she, she said something like, how we see the body how the body, how we, how we see, not just using it to, as, you know, the faculty of sight, but, but how we perceive the body, how we experience the body, is co-arises with what the body is in each moment. So, so this touches on perception, which is, which is um, a very important uh, mental factor in the Buddhist teaching. Like everything that we experience through the senses is shaped by perception. So, um, so we see, we're, you know, we, we're, we're seeing, and, and what we're seeing, if we were a newborn infant, we would see perhaps colors and forms and um, just kind of like a big soup, uh, all mixed up with, you know, sounds and sensations and you know and so you know you can just see in a newborn infant how they're kind of looking and sensing and and it's everything is being taken in like a sponge but there's there's not much differentiation it's there's not much perceiving that's happening because the perceiving hasn't developed and then and then the perception and, and, and the Buddha uses this word in the Dharma, the, the word perception is used in a particular way. So this perception then develops. And so, you know, particular voice and sensation, 
oh, that's mommy picking me up and I'm going to get fed and that's nice or that's, you know, daddy or going to, you know, take care of this unpleasant sensation of a dirty diaper. And, of course, baby's not thinking those words, but, but those perceptions develop of particular shapes and forms and, and a voice, a touch, uh, and then making, making sense of the world around them and, and then words, you know, like that leap that happens. You know, I have two grandchildren and I had two children, uh, but somehow, you know, with your grandchildren, you really see it. Uh, I don't know, or maybe it's just more recent. I'm sure I, I really saw it with my kids as well. That leap that happens when, when they can begin to, you know, like express, oh, this is that, and this is this, and this is that. And I want this, and I don't want that. <laughs> uh, it's such an enormous leap. And, and so, so that's, that's the very, very basic perceptions, but then there are so many perceptions about what should and shouldn't be and, and how we, um, what we want things to be and, 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 then, and then how we image our body to be, how we perceive our body to be, how we feel others are perceiving our body, and then how we experience our body from the inside. And then how all of these ways of relating to the body that develop from the conditions of our lives. And the body can become an instrument for, uh, for having pleasant experiences. Uh, the body can become a context in which we experience pain Um, I mean if we just think about the vast differences and variations of human experience and how people in different families in different societies in different contexts relate to the body and so so this body arises in our experience in relation to how we relate to it. How are we seeing the body in any particular moment? So am I seeing the body as a way to... Um, uh, you know, is the body is the body in in a particular moment kind of uh, become an instrument to satisfy craving or or grasping? Is the body in another particular moment uh, a, a sensitive instrument for expressing love or experiencing beauty? So moment by moment we are um, we are living through the body and ex- 
and and seeing the body, relating to the body in different ways. And what I would like to explore with you over the next few days is how the Dharma gives us skillful ways of seeing the body, skillful ways of relating to the body, helps us to discover what are the ways of relating to the body that we habitually do that creates suffering for us. So are we acting out anger? Are we acting, are we, are, is the body become a vehicle for gratifying grasping? Is the body a vehicle for discovering the nature of our experience? Insight. So the body becomes a context, can become a context for discovering the impermanent nature of our experience, the, the, uh, and so, so, and that gives rise to wisdom, that gives rise to freedom. So, so, uh, so these different, different ways of seeing and, and different ways of relating to the body can, can help our body to actually emerge in in our experience as a uh, a, a kind of um, this 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 and the Buddha goes on to talk about this later in the discourse a, a, a space a of 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 joy, of, of peace, of tranquility, of, um, of ease, and, and meditation can give rise to that. And so, you know, I, I, I just want to point out as I kind of finish up um, that, that this is, a, you know, something that evolves over time, evolves, and it's and it's not that the body, you know, becomes like always a, you know, one thing or always another thing. Uh, like it's not that, you know, we, we, we stop relating to the body in ways that are deluded and unskillful. But it, when we are, we can perhaps see it more clearly. We can, we can be more... Uh, a bit more free to not, you know, just act it out, uh, follow, you know, follow through with just going further and further into that unskillful kind of behavior, or or we can cultivate more and more that the the sensitivity of the body, the body, you know, as as I was speaking about with regard to. Uh, when we were walking outside, you know, to really feel in the body the life around us and how the beauty of the life around us can be, can be received in the body and perhaps opening to the possibility that, that 
we are also being received um, by the life forms that the sensitive life forms that that receive in ways that we don't understand um, you know animals other animals and also other uh, other forms of life such as trees and um, and plants so So, so just to leave you, uh, you know, perhaps uh, some, perhaps, um, you know, some things uh, are clear and some things maybe less clear. But, but just to leave you with a, a practice question that you could be with over the course of, you know, the next few days to just ask yourself in any moment, you know, how, how am I seeing? the body in this moment? How am I seeing the body? How am I relating to the body in this moment? You know, so, so if we're, you know, if we're waiting online to get lunch and the line just seems to be moving so slowly, you know, how am I in the body? How am I relating to the body in this moment? Or, um, you know, if, or if uh, you know we're sitting in meditation and um, and we're just really feeling fatigued or bored, or we have some discomfort and we're just struggling, you know, maybe to just drop into that whole mix of experiences. You know, well, how am I relating to the body in this moment? And see what comes up. See what comes up for you in that. And does that shift um, your experience? So let's let's take a, a couple of minutes just to sit. You don't need to shift your posture. It's just going to be a minute, a few, a few breaths. Just to maybe find in the body how am I, what's resonating, or how am I present with these teachings that have been offered? What's been resonating in me? How is it being felt in the sensitivity of this field that we call the body? Thank you for listening.
it's time for walking. Is there anybody who has not done walking meditation before and who's not received instruction in walking? I, I forgot to do that. Okay, thank you.